Good morning, Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald, he is Saeed Jones, and you are watching AM to DM. All right, y'all, may I just say, mm. uh, there was a lot of drama on the timeline yesterday. And listen, you know, we have to own, it's 2018. We're not new to the drama game, okay? It's <laughs> wild out here. We've upped our drama quotient. 24-7 drama. Okay, we walk through the dumpster fire bravely <laughs> every single day. Even still, it was especially wild yesterday. I was just like, what is going on? I'm sorry, walking through the dumpster fire has me thinking of like the gospel according to the ferocity, <laughs> 2018. Yeah, Keep as going. I walk through the valley of the yeah. dumpster fire. Don't look at the mentions. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about it. Muse Gold has a theory. Um, everyone is beefing today because it's day 184,959,000 9, without Rihanna music. And yes, friends, I had to spell those numbers out and, and run it by some people. No, but you read it right. Yes. You nailed it. Because Thanks. seriously, it has been a long time. Rihanna, get at us. Listen, big fan of Fenty Beauty. Yeah. You know, She's not been doing everything but music. You've been doing a lot. And we respect it. We, we respect it. But I could right. use some Fenty Beauty for the ears. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just saying. Come on. I know you got a lot going it. on, Rihanna. Yeah, I can only get so much like bronzer and yeah. bras and... Yes. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. All right. Sylvia yeah. O'Bell has a different theory. I blame Twitter specifically for today's rainstorm. Mother Nature said enough. And that's if you were not it in really the New York area. <laughs> it was a biblical storm yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I, I got stuck in the rain. Did you? I did. I, listen, I got stuck underneath an awning, like a yeah. romantic comedy character, mm -hmm. where there wasn't another lead. It was just <laughs> me standing under an awning as the rain poured yeah, down. Yeah, I was stuck near Union Square. I was stuck under an awning. And, you know, there is something I find a bit romantic about the summer storm mm. and seeing people running and kids and everything. Except that I happened to be stuck with about 10 feet away from a dude in Union Square who was like rapping with like the, the microphone and the stereo. He was he was rapping, but he wasn't rapping the hits. So it was a pretty annoying 20 minutes. I don't know, Said. any port in a storm. If somebody's giving you entertainment while you're stuck in a storm, I'm just saying, come on. Take your loud ass to another port. That's just God trying to give you a little <laughs> entertainment. But it is, seriously, if you're not in the New York area, it has been, and it's been this way yeah. for a while. It feels like there's a giant storm that's just sitting over New York City with like sunny breaks. Right. It's like it's the same storm. And yesterday was a great example. It was like it was fine. The sun was out. We were sitting in the park for lunch. Like, oh, this is great. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming down. Uh -oh. So yes, yesterday was a lot. But we didn't all hate it. Ray, Ray Cunningham, you tweeted, today is like Twitter 2009. Oh, and that God. is, it was popcorn. It was when you were looking at Twitter, there was a lot happening, but maybe the world wasn't burning down. We're all so innocent then. <laughs> In 2000. You know, we weren't like having to fight Nazis between every other tweet. <laughs> <laughs> you said that so warily. You said that. Donald Trump was still just a reality TV person. I mean, if you really think about it, it was just like, I miss it. Mm. I miss it. Well, anyway, that tweet uh, was inspired by the messiness, uh, that's the word we're going with here, of Nicki Minaj and her ex-boyfriend, Safari, he's a rapper, had to look it up, hadn't heard of him. <laughs> uh, there were a lot of tweets to choose from about it, uh, but we narrowed it down. Mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna start with this tweet from Safari himself, and listen, I, this is not necessarily a warning, but this is like, be prepared, because there's a lot going on. Uh, remember the night you cut me, and I almost died. The police and the ambulance had to take me out the crib on a stretcher, and I had to lie and tell them I was trying to kill myself so they wouldn't take you to jail. Uh, when things like that start happening more than once, it's time to dip. More than once. 
One could make the argument that once is when it's time to dip in a situation one like that. One might make another argument that isn't even getting to that once. There were maybe dippable moments yeah. before you got to that once. There are a lot. I mean, there's so many notes. You know, mm. we could do like a little footnotes on this. I would say also just I love like something like that that is so outrageous that feels the, that the person feels the need to proceed it with. Remember that time? Yeah, idiot. I remember that time. <laughs> like the ambulance and the cops were called. Also, just like we have the like I. I'm gonna fix my life beat at the end with like it's time to dip. Like it, oh, no, bro, I like I like the idea that he showed it to a friend and was like, hey, should I hit send on this? And like a friend like, was yeah, like, yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, but yeah. listen, let's just pick one from the Nikki side because you gotta tell both sides. And again, there were a lot of tweets going back and forth on this. I should have never paid for that goddamn hairline. <laughs> it fell back out because God don't like ugly. You used me, but God had other plans. <sighs> I love the it's, way Nikki spelled goddamn. It's right so there. messy. Uh, to which I say wig. Uh, all <laughs> Twitter uh, was eyes emojis. This lack of follicle. I mean, listen, girl. Either you got it or you don't. And apparently he does not. Uh, well, at this point, uh, here's a tweet from our own BuzzFeed News entertainment reporter, Sylvia O'Bell. Woo child, uh, attacking the hairline might be the number one way to break a black man. <laughs> AM to DM's favorite detective and hairline expert, Sylvia O'Bell, joins us now. Sylvia, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hairline expert. <laughs> this. Woo. Brilliant. All right. Now, listen, I thought this might have started with something Nikki said on her new song, Barbie Dreams, but I've been informed that's not the case. So, Sylvia, where did this fight begin? Well, this round of this fight began during Nikki's... Um, interview with Funk Flex on Hot 97 the night before. You know, they, her and Funk Flex had their own beef that they were finally sitting down and dealing with and talking about a bunch of stuff over history. And Safari came up because, you know, Funk Flex talked about how there were, he had doubled back on that rumor that he used to write Nikki's raps. So with the bringing up of him came more, um, more conversation and somehow ended with her saying, you know, that he used her car credit cards to buy prostitutes and things. Oh. And um, <laughs> <I love> that. <laughs> so that escalated into that. And then I guess Safari read the interview or heard the interview the next day and decided to tweet these things. <sighs> Okay, uh, so, so here's the thing, <laughs> so much. Um, here's the thing about Barbie Dreams, why I knew it wasn't, because I'm like, Safari doesn't even register, uh, you know, with all of those other kind of rap icons for him, for her to poke fun at him in the song. So my question is kind of, why do you think Nikki felt the need to even devote attention to Safari at this point? She's a queen. Yeah, and to your quick to your quick point about Barbie Dreams, Barbie Dreams is a concept song done by like that's a remake of a Biggie song where he talks about a bunch of R and B singers. So she was just that's the whole concept play song. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it had nothing to do with Barbie Dreams. I don't even think anybody in that song is offended for being named in that song. But you know, I don't. That, to answer the question why Nikki chooses to talk about things <laughs> is um, something that maybe somebody with a license might have to answer because I ask that question every day. I wish I was here to talk about the music and not about how she can't stop fighting with her ex online. I'm like, Nikki, no, you're too rich for this. Okay. If I had these millions of dollars, I would not. I would not be fighting. I don't even. I don't even have millions now. And I don't fight with my ex boyfriends online. Like, I I get that her and Flex were talking about. You know that Flex brought it up, 
But, you know, she definitely decided to, you know, be petty and bring up the whole credit card money thing. And a lot of her fans, the Barb's, would say, you know, that Nikki has kept quiet a lot as Safari has said different things here and there in the past. So now she's speaking out and saying her side of things and we should allow her to do that is what the other side would say. I mean, but my vote was always for, you know, to go the Beyonce route and just be cute, make your money and not tweet. Be, you know? be cute, make your money and not tweet. But here's the thing. It does give us something because here we are talking about it and it does kind of allow us to bring up the album again. So I do want to ask you, Sylvia, so you're not just on here talking about drama. What did you make of the new album? You know, it has, there's a version of that album that I, that has, a, there's a good, a few good songs that I really like. I actually went to the Nicki Minaj interview last night on that aired on title with Elliot Wilson. And, you know, I think she's, I do think we, it was a lot of talk about how lyrically it's like she's advanced in that way. Um, you know, Nicki is one of the right rappers out here who does write her own music. So I do think that there were a lot of good, strong songs on there. Um, it's not my favorite album of hers. But I do think that, you know, it was a solid effort. A solid? <laughs> Man, I see. I, I, I liked it. I liked I, it. I was, I was listening to Ganja Burns, which I was like, okay, I'm feeling. I'll, I might add it to the playlist. Um, but I really do like LLC. I like no, it. LLC is my favorite. And she also said that she feels like that's the song that her verses are the strongest on. Mm. And she said that's Jay-Z's favorite. He said that her verses on LLC are the strongest, too. Yeah, it shows. On that shows. To the point of the messiness, um, Honest T420. <laughs> oh, I see what you did. Okay, you tweeted, um, Nicki Minaj <laughs> drags X on Twitter. Haven't we all, all done that? Like, is it true? Like, is it a true Twitter account if you haven't dragged your X on Twitter? But but to your point, because at first I was like, am I being am I being whack and wondering why Nicki uh, is wading into this? But it sounds like, as you're saying, it's something that she kind of keeps doing that it's like why yeah i think like these i think you know i get that like human nature is to defend yourself but i feel like nikki is really lowering herself to talk to these people who don't really deserve her attention because yes it's giving you like you're in the news headlines as you have an album out but i don't think it's the kind of attention that you need you know there's been a lot of talk about this album rollout being sloppy because of all these Twitter beefs where she's engaging with, uh, you know, um, journalists in their DMs or, you know, fans of hers are threatening people. And like, to, you know, it's just been really out of hand. So I do think that, yes, it's cool to promote your album on social media, but I don't think, especially four albums in where she's at in her career, I don't think she needs to be engaging in these love and hip hop tactics mm -hmm. well the story has a few follicles left so let's snatch them <laughs> man Wait. boy the hairline what a blow child i like that something <laughs> just use it as an excuse that's not talking that about somebody's on. mama you know what i'm Sorry. saying for a black man you can't be talking it. about their hairline boy well craig Jenkins <laughs> tweeted this poor tyga waking up somewhere like the fuck did i do um so how did tyga get dragged into all of this i have to say i almost called him tigger earlier this morning but <laughs> <laughs> Poor little Tata. Let me tell you, Tata is like the Charlie Brown in hip hop so often because like he's just out there minding his business, trying to grow his little corn rolls, and then she exposed him. So supposedly, as Safari, because Safari did not deny to Nikki about his hairline. To me, that was one of the funniest parts about yesterday. He was like, "Yeah, and you bought it, thanks." But like he said that. <laughs> He was, his response was, first of all, me and Tiger did not go to the same doctor. We just got the procedure done on the same day. <laughs> so it's like, okay. <laughs> so I guess, 
<laughs> if that's the hill you want to die on. <laughs> that's the hill you want to die on. So I guess that's why Nikki got confused. I don't know. I don't know. She had to really bring Tiger into it. I think maybe, you know, when you're going off, sometimes it's like literal, like he got hit with a stray bullet. Like she was just going off and Tiger was like collateral damage. And poor guy got hit with, but it, it was probably like what? morning on the west coast i you know i don't know what he found out but now we know tiger also bought his hairline because safari also did not deny that that was true i guess he just picked a bad day to do it because now <laughs> everybody knows i don't know it's now he's in it collateral damage on the collateral damage. Well, <laughs> detective obell thank you so much for gracing us with your presence this morning no problem. Always a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Our queen with hella opinions. Okay, Twitter, uh, let's, well, it says let's get messy, but I think it's fair to say we already are. <laughs> We've so been messy. Let's continue to be messy. Uh, what's your favorite Twitter beef? Let us know using the hashtag AM to everyone. <laughs> to every single it's, one. It's a mess out there. Do you have a beef? Yeah, I'm, well, for me, first I want to say, uh, if you got the money, do it. I want to say that about the hairline. Hair plugs? And everything, everything. Live your life, all right? If you got the cash, Just make go sure for they it. don't fall out. Of as far as beefs go, like my favorite one, I like a little intrigue. Okay. So Roxanne Gay mm. will tweet often about a nemesis that is unnamed. Mm. And I don't know who it is. Me either. And I really like that one. I, I really like that Twitter one. beef. What about you? I really enjoy it. Uh, oh, gosh. Off the top of my head, so many. Rihanna and Sierra. Actually, this, was, this, was, this wasn't quite a beef. It was a moment, and she's since deleted it. But yesterday, someone uh, tweeted a picture of the hard copies of Ariana Grande's new album, which comes out, I think, like, any day now. Mm -hmm. um, and they, there was like the two photos of them holding it. And, you know, their manicure, their nails weren't exactly yeah, popping. Yeah, I saw that. Ariana Grande quote tweeted it and said, listen, if you're going to leak like these pictures, at least get, you know, at least take care of your nails. The music is too good for this. <laughs> and I was like, well, life. We stand, Ariana. So let us know your favorite Twitter beefs using the hashtag aim to DM. Yes. We're going to be right back with Fire Tweets. Fire! Fire! Okay, so when we're doing the show, uh, something that you, you may not be aware of as you're watching is that, of course, we have a producer in our ear who's helping us kind of keep time, and we've got, you know, we have things to do, places to be. Um, so sometimes we just have to move on and resist the impulse to react. And I want to tell you, when Sylvia O'Bell was talking about Tyga and Safari, and she said Tyga was out there minding his own business, trying to grow his little cornrows. It took everything I had to keep my mouth shut. That is so funny. I like, I like that Saeed was like, I was just trying to move along. I'm like, I'm just out here trying to be polite. I'm, I'm staying in my line, lane. I'm minding my own business. Oh, in this little corner. Okay, oh let's get God. into these fire tweets. Okay, this comes from <laughs> Elvish Presley. Comedy. A skeleton playing his ribs like a xylophone. Tragedy. Skeleton can't hear music because he's got bones for ears. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Just playing the ribs. Playing the ribs. There we go. Mm, That's the what ribs. we needed. Playing the ribs. Oh. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I really I need a A boomerang. Patches, you tweeted, I'm tired of the phrase too bad. So from now on, I'm saying that's cactuses. And if you don't like it, 
Well, that's cactuses. <laughs> you think that's like a, like a little The Good Place moment? I just, any kind of term like that. We had a fire tweet when you were on vacation from mm-hmm. Lin-Manuel Miranda's son, and he said, I'm sweaty about that. Like, I just, I think it's time oh, for us to good. get some new lingo. I that's like that. cactuses. All I'm right. sweaty about that. All right. <laughs> I'm in for it. All right, Vanessa. Oh, Vanessa. Here we go. <laughs> My girl. Met a bunch of guys from Harvard yesterday, and I kept pretending like I'd never heard of that school just to piss them off. One of them legit turned red when I said, Harvard? Is that like a local community college? Oh! I want to do this so badly. It's such a good, that's the thing that's about this. This is an instructive tweet. It's a great tweet, but guys, you can do this at home. You can do this yourselves. What can we do it with? Oh, oh, here we go. go. Oh, Iowa has a a, a writer's workshop? Is that like a a community work group? That's cool. I'm going into the next one. (laughs) Leon, you tweeted. There are people on here I've followed for years, and they follow me back, but we never interact. We're like two NPCs in a town that don't talk to each other. You sell potions, I'm the mayor. It's chill. Okay, now I know you love Zelda. Yeah, man, I've been playing a lot of Breath of the Wild. So an NPC is two characters that wouldn't talk to each other. You okay. interact with them, but of course they're okay, never so gonna the meet, even the if they're right. in the same village, okay. right? Okay. So like, That's you're the mayor, the I'm selling potions. Do you have somebody that you like follow but never yeah, interact I'll with? Yeah, get it, you like, you know, you vibing. Mm-hmm. You don't need to. I like that Leon made himself the mayor, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. all right, Leon. I like, I want to be selling potions. Anyway, <laughs> tweet of the day comes from the Papal Bull. Mm. The Papal Bull, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. It's been an awful, terrible, no good week, but listening to my teenage daughter convince my youngest child last night that J.R.R. Tolkien's real name was Jokin Roken Roken Token was absolutely <laughs> priceless. That is so cute. Jokin Roken <laughs> It's the second Rolkin that really gets me. It's the second Rolkin. Oh, I just, I'm just trying to like picture the conversation. These are the only tweets that ever make me want to have kids. Yeah, it's like, that's, oh, you could screw with them a little bit? That sounds like fun. Yeah, Listen. listening to siblings, yeah, that's what <laughs> Up next, we're going live from the district. It's <sighs> Washington, D.C. Dolkin Colkin. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. We're going live from the district with BuzzFeed News DC Bureau Chief, Kate Nacera. Good morning, Kate. Good morning, gentlemen. Hello. All right, Kate, we want to start here. Do you have a favorite Twitter beef in all of Twitter history? Uh, that would be my beef with my arch nemesis, David Mack, who keeps stealing my jokes. <laughs> oh, my, you gonna call him out live on air for stealing your jokes? Oh my God. I am. Does he, he does it all the time. Is it like oh. you say something in Slack and then he grabs it and tweets it? Sometimes, or sometimes he recycles very old tweets of mine and repurposes them for his own content. I am shaking. I have to tell this you. This is breaking news. This is, I, this is news to me because I have to say, Kate <laughs> and David Mack have one of my favorite anti-DM gifts, the one where y'all are like doing a little shoulder shimmy together. Oh my goodness. Have yeah, we're, we're, we're frenemies. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, learn something every day. Well, here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News White House correspondent Tarini Party. No beef with her. Uh, on the existence of the N-word tape, that's what we're calling it now, Sarah Sanders says, I can't yeah. guarantee anything, but adds, I can tell you that I've never heard it. Uh, then pivots to talking about low black unemployment rates, refers to Trump's tweet on this. Well, we can all sleep well knowing that Sarah Huckabee Sanders has never heard 
the N-word, but Kate, uh, what did you make overall of her performance yesterday as press secretary? I mean, I don't know. It was it was a sort of rare. On, she she really couldn't say that guarantee that he has never said it, because then she would just get in trouble when inevitably we may hear a tape someday. Uh, she also really went out on a limb and uh, told a big whopper uh, at the podium yesterday, which was not totally rare. But the but the weird thing was is that she apologized for it. She said. Uh, that Trump had uh, created far more jobs than Obama did for African-American people. Uh, and that was just a, a blatant lie. It was just a blatant lie. But she did apologize for it, which... Yeah, yeah and she, but so she, they issued a correction. It was late last night that that correction was issued. Um, but you yourself just said that, like, you know, she tells a lot of fibs from that podium all the time, and they don't issue corrections. So why was this different? Yeah, this was really the exception, not the rule. I think that the the claim was just so outrageous and there were, you know, actual numbers from the Department of Labor to uh, show that it was just absolutely not true, that there was no way they could gaslight or fudge on this one. Yeah, now we're going to get to NDAs in, in a moment, but I just wanted to ask, were there other, um, you know, highlights or standout moments in, in the press briefing? Because I think the, you know, what I've heard so much about has been the, the can't guarantee quote. Yeah, I mean, that really was the, the standout moment from the press from the press briefing, I would say that the the other standout moment was when, you know, I know we're going to get to NDAs, but I do think that the real other standout moment was when she said that it was common practice in other administrations uh, for staffers to sign NDAs and reporters started yelling, uh, that's absolutely not true. So uh, it was really a moment where people were vocal about pushing back on something that was just also blatantly false. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, to that point, I mean, I mean you, you absolutely get to that. Yeah, I mean, here's a tweet from PBS NewsHour's Yamish Alcindor. An answer deeply in need of a fact check. Question, why are NDAs necessary for the White House? Sarah Sanders, other White Houses have had people sign NDAs. It's standard. Uh, yeah, so... Is it standard? That's not true. Okay, yeah, that's that's fact. <laughs> no, it's here. not. It, it's it, yeah, it's not standard. I mean, what is standards? If you are read into classified information, then uh, certainly you are signing. You are you know getting your clearance. If you have classified information, you can't share that when you leave the White House. But uh, current case law really has has upheld the fact that if you are a government employee. When you leave, it is your First Amendment right to talk about what happened in the federal government. So while NDAs on campaigns might be standard or in private entities or in the Trump organization, it is not standard practice in the White House. I mean, maybe she's confusing. Maybe she's putting the two things together between, you know, being read into classified information and NDAs. But they are two very different things. And there it is. Just the facts. Well, here's a tweet from Zoe Tillman. Already a healthy line at the federal courthouse in Alexandria at 7.10 a.m., expecting a crowd for closing arguments in Paul Manafort's trial. After arguments, the jury will get final instructions and then deliberate. Stay tuned. All right, Kate, this trial seems to be moving right along. What did we learn yesterday? Yeah. Well, uh, yesterday the defense rested its case without calling any witnesses. Uh, they were they were just ready to go, 
ready to wrap it up. Uh, then the judge gave both sides two hours, no more, no less, for closing arguments, which is happening this morning. That's is happening in court right now. Then they will take a break. The judge will give the jury instructions and the jury will go deliberate. And we should find out, you know, it depends how long the jury takes, but uh, pretty soon the verdict in, in, the, in the first case out of the uh, Mueller investigation. Okay, well, it will shock you, Kate, to know that I do not have a law degree. So forgive me for this question, but uh, is, is, it, is it worth reading into the fact that Manafort's team did not call any witnesses? No, it's actually uh, pretty common in cases like this. I mean, they don't want to put uh, people on the stand. They feel like they have made their case with just what the government witnesses are doing, the cross-examination on the government witnesses. They feel like they have stood up their case to defend their client and doing any more might actually hurt them. So they're, they're like, we're good. You know, <laughs> he doesn't want to testify. He's certainly not going to testify. So, you know, let's wrap it up. I'm thinking like at the poker table. They're just like, and we're out. Uh, so does this mean, Kate, does you this know, mean the trial could be wrapped up next week? Uh, it could. I mean, I'm not I'm not on the jury, as you can see. Uh, so <laughs> it, it really uh, depends how long it it takes them for to to come up with a verdict. But, you know, it could be it could be tomorrow. All right. I don't know. Well, I don't know, which is really what you need to hear from every reporter <laughs> working in D.C. If, if they're really that, you know, telling the truth. Yeah, really. That's that, that's my standard response to you guys. I'm like, well, you got a guess as good as mine. And I find it deeply comforting every time. So thank you. <laughs> Kate, as always, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks, guys. All right. More AM to DM up next. I'm so excited. I'm going to talk about my new favorite show, Winona Earth. He talks about the show a lot, so I'm glad he gets to now share it with you guys instead of just talking to me constantly. I'm all. All right, I'm so excited. It's time to talk about my new favorite TV show, Winona Earp. Here's a tweet from Kurt Arthur. Much love to Winona Earp. It's one of the most funny, heartfelt shows on TV, as well as one of the most underrated, too. If you stopped watching it because the first episodes weren't as stellar, well, you're sadly missing out. And I have to admit, I, I stumbled when I first watched those first few episodes and I came back. So now I am here with the wonderful Nora Dominic, junior staff writer at BuzzFeed, Winona Earp fan. An erper. Happy to be here. <laughs> I love this. So uh, it's true. Isaac is absolutely telling the truth. I have not shut up about Wynonna Earp. Help me. What's the pitch? Why should everyone be watching Wynonna Earp? It's a kick-ass female-led drama, basically Buffy 2.0. Um, smart writing, yeah. smart characters. Every character is so developed, mm -hmm. and you really connect with each and every one of them. Also, who doesn't want to go hunt demons? True, because again, 2018, friends. All right. Um, you wrote that Winona Earp, as you mentioned, is TV's answer to a Buffy reboot. Uh, and, and I agree. I, I feel that, and maybe this is controversial, but I feel that for me, Winona Earp is the show I realized I wanted to watch when I was watching Buffy. And part of that is written and run by a woman. 
Yes. Um, but 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 w what is the relationship between this show and Buffy? I like to think of it as Buffy 2.0. Mm -hmm. They really took what Buffy did so well, and they've kind of remodernized it for 2018. Mm -hmm. You've got a character that isn't afraid to be vulnerable, which is honestly some of the better Buffy episodes, mm -hmm. is when Buffy was so vulnerable, like when her mother died and that kind of thing. So they've really taken those aspects of Buffy and really vamped it for 2018 and given it like LGBTQ representation yes. Yes. and everything like that. So if you loved Buffy and you loved the sister aspects of Buffy mm -hmm. kind of started to get into, mm -hmm. you'd love Winona Earp. Yeah, and I also have to say something else about um, that comparison that I like is that it's aged up. Winona yes. Earp is a grown woman when we meet her. Yeah. And so, she, you know, she's drinking, she's having sex, one night stands and all of that. And that is to say, it's interesting to see what it means for a grown woman exactly. to be taking this She's off. not afraid to be quirky and not afraid to mm -hmm. be herself. She's not trying to be perfect, mm -hmm. which I think is why a lot of people identify with her and love of her a lot. Absolutely. The star is just, oh, she's everything. So let's talk about, I mean, I've seen a few people note that, you know, on Buffy, you know, the love interests were, you know, it's like, who's she dating now? And that, you know, is it Spike? Is it Angel? Exactly. And But I feel like the central love narrative on Winona Earp is actually sisters. I completely Why is that relationship agree. so special? Um, in the last episode especially, mm -hmm. I tweeted about it because I think it's just so important to see two sisters not being catty on TV and mm -hmm. really supporting each other. And I think Waverly and Winona definitely exemplify that. They're here for each other. They don't care that other the other messes up at times. Mm -hmm. They're here to really support each other. And at the end of the day, no matter who Waverly or Winona are dating, it's about the two of them, which I think is really special. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and they mess up. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> they mess up a lot, they mess up a lot. And I think it's fun, you know, I think, you know, we have the Slayer tough character in Winona, and Waverly is a little more chipper, she's got the high voice and everything, yeah. but she can be a mess and tough too. Waverly likes to see the bright side of things, whereas yes. Winona's very much kind of in her own head trying to get things done, so I think that dynamic between the two of them is really special. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, the humor on the show, I mean, it's, you know, My sometimes favorite. there's puns, there's Officer Nicole Hot. That's a character's name, and way that's by way hot. Um, what is it about the humor on the show that, because again, also like with Buffy, that's important. I think it really goes back to Emily Andres, who created and writes mm -hmm. for the show. She is so witty, and the show almost has like a Gilmore Girls-esque element to it, I feel. Like it's very fast-paced, and the jokes just come flying at you when you're mm -hmm. not expecting them. Like Winona will be hunting down a demon and make a Jason Momoa joke, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is really special for a show like this, where it's so serious at times, but they're really not afraid to be funny, and show that Winona's like a real sarcastic human, which like I greatly enjoy. Very, it's very contemporary. I was surprised to hear a Me Too reference in the last yes. episode. I was like, oh, okay, we are in the yes. present. They're we are not in afraid. the present. They're not afraid to poke at like what's happening in present day, which I love. Absolutely. Now, I was a big fan of Lost Girl. Yes. And that's kind of how I made my way to uh, to Winona Earp, same showrunner, show, same creator. Um, I was in the situation where I kind of felt like I was the only person watching mm -hmm. this show. But it turns out Winona Earp has a huge, huge mm -hmm. fan base and it's known for being really nice. Yes. It's, I watch a ton of TV and I'm mm -hmm. involved in a lot of fandoms, and this is the first fandom where it's so inclusive. Mm -hmm. They've started cons, they've raised money for charities. When th they just had a con last week and people were stuck in Toronto and people were offering to like house them for the night. Wow. Like I've never seen a community so strong and the actors and 
the writers and the creators really give it back to them, which I think is great. It's really much like a full family, which is why I think people enjoy it. Part of it was like, I enjoyed watching the show mm -hmm. and I was afraid I was gonna be the only one watching right. it. Cause it's a very niche show, mm -hmm. but the group of people are so special. And like, I've met a lot of friends through going to conventions and stuff like that that watch the show, so it's really great. I love it, because I mean, we talk so much, you know, about toxic fandoms, yeah. and I think certainly with shows like sci-fi and genre, that is very much of the experience of watching a show, and exactly. it can sour the experience, but it's just really cool to exactly. see that it's, it's all love. It's very uplifting and a lot of love there. Okay. And we're just, as an aside, Doc Holliday, is a man, honey. Love what him. a character. Oh, he's so good. Tim Rozon <laughs> plays it flawlessly. So good. Y'all, it just it has everything. You deserve to watch Wine on Earth. Highly recommend. Well. All right. Nora, thank you so much for joining me. Thank I love so talking with you about these shows as always. All right, more AM to DM up next. Uh, we still got a lot of morning to go, y'all. tweet from Mariah Whiten. You know the reductress headline is a serious personal attack when your friends send it to you instead of tagging you in the comments. So true. Joining me now are the two founders of Reductress who have found a way to personally attack all of us and more importantly the patriarchy online. Sarah Papalardo and Beth Newell. You guys, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for thank having you. us. So speaking of this tweet, has there ever been a reductress headline that made you guys feel personally attacked? Ooh, um, I would say there was definitely one about um, queer women wearing button-down short sleeve shirts that got me. I can't remember exactly <laughs> what it is, but um, that cut me to the core. <laughs> what about you? Oh man, I am having a hard time thinking of one because I think they all uh, come so close. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So what are you guys trying to say? I think it's a little obvious, but what are you trying to say about the quote-unquote women's media spaces with your tongue-in-cheek headlines? Well, I think that it's really that women's media has gotten a lot better over the years, but there's always this inherent assumption that we are not smart enough or complex enough to, to understand that you know different women want different things and we're not just like a panacea. <laughs> so. Yeah, when we started out, there was a real tone in women's media that felt like it was talking down to us. And I think that's changed a lot with Teen Vogue and different publications trying to speak to more serious issues. But there is still a lot of times this like, you go girl tone that sort of assumes that we don't have our own confidence and agency and everything. So. That's so true. I feel like there has been a huge tonal shift in women's media, I would say, over the past maybe three or so years. What do you think is driving that? Obviously, publications like you guys. Do you think politics? What do you think? Yeah, I think a mix of everything. It's definitely that we have a lot more voices in women's media. That's a lot different from the past. So we're hearing different women's perspectives directly calling out what's wrong. Yeah, for sure. So I work in digital media, obviously. It can get to be it's a very crowded space. It can get to be a little draining. You know, we're always kind of going back and forth. We hear about layoffs constantly. It can just get to be, it's a kind of a struggle to maintain a digital media outlet. How do you guys stay encouraged in that space? I think it's mostly just by trying to do our own thing and not try to like ride the wave of having, you know, something topical on every little issue that's trending and just sort of focusing on the issues we care about and the things that are funny to the women in our office. Yeah, and it's great to hear from fans and readers who have actually learned something uh, and have been entertained and it's good to know that, you know, there's some value to it other than just poop jokes. 
<laughs> you said one of the goals when you founded your site was to pay writers, which is an admirable goal, I think, as a writer. Uh, what are some experiences you've had with other media companies that made you want to prioritize that so highly? Probably just, uh, I think at the time there were a lot of places that either didn't pay writers or paid a very small fee for something that was a great cost to their personal brand. Um, and, you know, we're still a small independent company, but uh, we take pride in just valuing people's work where we can. Yeah, and I think more than that, when we got started, there just weren't a lot of places on the internet where you could write from the perspective of a woman and really speak to your experiences in a comedic way. You know, there's only so many places that do that in the first place. And so we were trying to fill that void, and at the same time, in order to have the liberty to write about those things, you kind of need to get paid so that you can pay your rent and everything. So. It's a simple concept, but <laughs> <laughs> you would think, you would think. So you guys keep expanding, and Junior Rose reported that Comedy Central ordered a pilot for a reductorist late night show with SNL's Abby Elliott. Congratulations. What can you tell us about that? Is it all under wraps? We're still kind of in the waiting stage. We filmed the pilot and we're really excited about it and um, Abby kills it. So yeah, we're still waiting to hear back. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, if you can imagine like the Colbert Report, we're doing, um, Abby plays in character a host um, that kind of takes on women's media and the media landscape in general in late night. That sounds very exciting. So you also have a podcast, a book, live events. What are some other things that you're working on? What is the future of Redactress? What are you hoping to expand to? Uh, well, we have a couple podcasts, so we're hoping to revive our podcast, The Reductress Minute, this season. And um, we have a live show in New York at Caveat called Ha Ha Wow, and in LA at The Virgil. Um, what else? We've got, I think, some other stuff we can't yeah, talk about quite yet. Yeah, we can't talk about. Yeah, fair, <laughs> coming fair, out soon. fair. Yeah. Okay, so I have to ask you guys, when we were all discussing this segment, I we all had our favorite reductress headline. My favorite is a recent one that you guys did an article, and it wasn't just the headline, it was a whole article about, I'm perfectly fulfilled raising my boyfriend so I don't need children. <laughs> Sorry, Brian, but my husband felt very seen in a bad way by that headline <laughs> and all the contents therein. So do you guys have a favorite article you've ever done? Uh, we always love the one, uh, how to be a lady in the streets and a haunted clock tower in the sheets. Mm -hmm. um, it's nice when we get to do something really weird. And mm -hmm. <laughs> There's one on the site right now that I like called Man Sex Face Bad. I did like that one as well. <laughs> I did like that one. Honestly, a lot of the preparation for this segment yesterday was just me reading Reductress for like three hours, which is not <laughs> a bad way to spend your work day, I must tell you. Okay, so obviously you guys do a super good job skewering the media. Sometimes it makes it hard to tell if a headline is a reductress headline or if it's something a women's media company is actually trying to get us to read. So I was hoping to play a little game with you and you could tell us if a headline is real or if it's reductress. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Good? Okay. First one. I ate a donut of my boyfriend's penis and it was awesome. What do you think? Real or did you guys write that? That's real. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. You're right. It's real Cosmo. We have to thank for that one. Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to pass on that one, I think. <laughs> it's one of the ones you can't top, I think, yeah, in terms I know. of satire. I'm sad that the donut fit, but like <laughs> that's that's a good point. I did yeah. not think about that. Okay, this one is one of my faves. Five horse girls who grew into beautiful horse women. That was us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we were talking a little bit about before the show 
I just die laughing about every horse girl article. <laughs> Were you guys the ones who coined the term horse girl? Because you sell horse girl merch that I think I might go buy. We didn't coin the term, but we've, it's really hit a nerve with our readers. And so we keep coming up with the horse girl content. <laughs> yeah. The number one place on the internet for horse girl content. Yes. Doctor, that's for sure. <laughs> so like, who is a horse? Can you explain for those of us who might not understand? Um, yeah, a horse girl, I think, is a girl who grew up loving horses, like many of us. And um, we also sometimes refer to like the horse hair girl, because a lot of times that same girl had very, very long hair. Yes. It's one of those <laughs> things where you don't realize you know who this person is, and then you see it in your mind's eye, and you're like, oh my god, it was XYZ girl from elementary school. That's totally true. <laughs> okay, so this is obviously one that is a little less funny. Man who sexually assaulted you likes your Facebook post about assault. That is both real and a reductress article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so obviously you guys have done an amazing job, I guess, satirizing the way that companies are covering this Me Too moment and just these really tough situations that women have been put into as a result of sexual assault and being online and just living as a woman online. How have you guys chosen to handle this issue and why did you choose to handle it in the way that you have? I think with the sexual assault stuff, part of the problem with the conversation is that everyone can theoretically agree rape is bad, but then a lot of men um, don't actually understand consent or they um, pat themselves on the back for not being rapists and don't see all the ways that they play into rape culture in their day-to-day -day lives or make women who've been assaulted feel uncomfortable in various ways. So we're trying to sort of point a finger at those men and laugh at them um, and make a point about the sort of missteps that like keep this cultural issue of rape culture happening. Yeah, I think there's a lot of nuance to rape culture that just hasn't been talked about a whole lot. And the most that we can do is make everyone aware of these small things that maybe all of us might have let go at some point in our lives and just let it slide. But um, just giving it a name and, and showing that it is, exists is the least we can do to, to make people more aware of how rape culture is pervasive. What has the response been from your readership in articles like that? It's been really positive. I think a lot of women with that, uh, the Facebook one in particular were like, wow, this has happened to me. Uh, a surprising amount of women have had that exact experience of a man liking their posts even though he sexually assaulted them. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's been positive and we've had, uh, actually a man wrote us just this week to let us know that one of our articles um, sort of making fun of a man who wants to contact this woman about something from 10 years ago, re-triggering her about the event. Uh, so, we had, so we had an article about that and this man emailed us saying that he had laughed at that article and then later it had the impulse to contact a woman to apologize for something he'd done and he realized what a bad idea that was because of our article. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, so like one less day ruined by a man. <laughs> wow, and I think it's really poignant too to point out that with the Me Too moment, movement, women were very encouraged to speak out on social media without, I think I never thought about the fact that a lot of people end up being connected to people who have assaulted them on social media, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't know, I think that's a really important point to make. Okay, gonna end on a little bit of a lighter note. <laughs> One more for you guys to guess, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, Disney princesses twerking will shatter your childhood. Is that you guys or someone else? Ooh. 
I think that's someone else. That's someone else. Yeah. That sounds real. I think that's us. Yeah. Wow. Guy, <laughs> 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 gotta look, gotta take a little bit of that. Take a little bit of the heat for that one. But yeah, that was us. <laughs> that was us. Well, Sarah, Beth, thank you so much for joining us. Keep up the good work. We love the site. More AMTDM is up next. there. All right, before we jump into your tweets, uh, you might have seen news on the timeline. Isaac and I are so excited. We're going on the road. We are going on the road. That's right. We're going on four separate road trips throughout the fall. And our first trip starts this Friday. We're going to fly out to San Francisco from New York. And then we're going to be going from San Francisco to Portland, Oregon to Seattle, Washington. Get ready, Northwest. Um, a and is still going to be coming to you live every day at 10 a.m. with our wonderful guest host. But Isaac and I, of course, We'll be creating May Mayhem <laughs> on the timeline, and you can follow our exploits there using the hashtag Making the Most of. Yeah, this is really just like a PSA to my parents. Like, if you're wondering <laughs> if I'm in jail, the hashtag is Making the Most of. That's because we're looking for any tips and recommendations you have so we can make the most of every stop we make on our travels. So, if you have anything, and even if you're not from the Northwest, if you have tips mm -hmm. for like how to pass time while you're driving in a car, any road trip tips. Hit us up. I love it. Yeah, road trip games. Oh, yeah. I love it. Um, hit us up using the hashtag making the most of with anything and everything, all those recommendations. We'll also be having meetups in, in uh, I think, every city. Say right? it louder for the people in the we back. We will be having Twitter, AM to DM meetups in all of the cities we go to, a picnic in Dolores Park mm. in San Francisco, for example. So keep your eyes on the timeline for more tea about that. We'll be dropping the, uh, the dates, dropping the times, and dates we look forward times. to seeing you, America. Okay, let's get into the these tweets. We asked for your favorite Twitter beefs and Joey Allison Sayers said, ribeye. Okay, Joey with the jokes. Joey with the jokes. I do like the good ribeye. It, it is tasty. Well, speaking of, you know, beefs between people, Christian says, being a 35-year-old getting into Twitter beef would be more embarrassing if there wasn't already a 72-year-old doing the same. Ooh. And that is the black ass bottom line. <laughs> Maybe that's why it was so hard for us to think of Twitter beefs this morning. It was like, well, when you got the president of the United States just Atta out here. Attacking everybody all the time. Yeah, Ooh. no, that is uh, that, yeah, remember that is when, a like, true read. There was a Twitter beef with North Korea. Like that was a thing that happened. <laughs> Remember that little that's moment? Why, that's why this Nicki Minaj thing was so 2009, yeah. though. It felt yeah. really good to have a Twitter beef that was both uh, popcorn emoji, but also just like low stakes. Yeah. No nukes involved, yeah, you know? No, no nuclear non-proliferation coming up in that beef. All right, and it looks like we have a new development in the ongoing feud between Kate Nocera and David Mack. I like that we're just stuck and we're like stoking this Twitter beef. David tweeted, just been informed that Kate Nocera tried to drag me on AM to DM for stealing her trash tweets. Total fake news from a phony. All right, I want to say a few things, David Mack. One, you obviously weren't watching the show this morning. That's pretty messed up. Yeah, you're late. You're late. Uh-huh. What else? Tweeting like an Australian. Well, how, how can you call her tweets fake? Or trash mm. if if you haven't been stealing them. That seems like you're very aware. Paying of, paying a lot of attention. That's a very good Trump tweet. Have you ever have you ever like just grabbed a joke? Just just gone with it? I don't 
think so? Yeah, you know, I, I like. I, I think I, I definitely feel, and maybe I feel like this is a very Twitter thing where you, I feel the anxiety sometimes of like, did I see this somewhere before? You know what I mean? Sometimes I search it. Sometimes I search, search. it to see if that joke happened oh, before. No. Other times it's kind of like, oh, you're just playing off of something. Mm-hmm. The thing that I really struck me about Kate Nocera's accusations, because we do <laughs> deal in facts here, all right, is that she said he was going like back and grabbing her old like tweets she would have maybe forgotten about and reusing them. That could be verified. It's a hell of an accusation, and I do think we could get Detective, maybe Sylvia O'Bell, on the case. Uh, Here's yeah. a tweet from Sarah Bella about Winona Earp, and I'm with you on this, Sarah Bill. I just tweeted you about that. You said, I'm glad to hear Winona Earp got better. I'll have to give it a second chance. And that's fair. And that's true, I think, for a lot of shows that become beloved. That the first few episodes, I think we're used to seeing shows sometimes have to get their footing and everything. And that's true. I watched Winona Earp, I think, the first, the pilot, like a couple of years ago. And I was like, "Uh, I don't know. And then I had a conversation with a friend recently and I got back into it. Listen, time for full full confessional. Uh, I tried to watch it last night. (gasps) I fell asleep halfway through the pilot. The pilot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's a great pilot. So while I was watching you have that discussion, it actually, it made me be like, okay, I'm going to try and give it some chance. A lot of shows like this, you Mm -hmm. kind of need to give the actors time to find their footing Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it can take off. But that, that first... There's a decapitated head in the first five minutes, and it looks like the fakest piece of. Thing oh yeah, I've yeah, ever yeah. They, the, the budget definitely get up. <laughs> but I'll say this: if y'all can still be pushing us to watch, you know, Westworld, <laughs> I think we can give this little upstart show a chance. That's my oh, I my love pick. it out here. Do fight, it for the kids, fighting for the small shows. Listen, <laughs> thank you so much to our guests, Sylvia O'Bell, Kate Nasser, Sarah Papalardo, Beth Newell. That was an absolutely that fantastic conversation. Stephanie McNeil, who led it, and Nora Dominic. All right, friends, we will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow is our last show before we go on the road for making the most of. Hashtag making the most of gives tips. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.